You're listening to audio from Cities Church. You can find more resources and learn about our ministry by visiting citieschurch.com. Good morning, Cities Church. Just want to say here on the onset to our, our fellow dads, I'm just grateful to God for you and how you have been striving to lead your family uh, over these last few months through these, these household liturgies. Uh, thank you for, for pressing in on this Father's Day uh, just to acknowledge you and, and to acknowledge the uh, unique demands that have been placed on you in, in recent months, uh, both at work and at home. Uh, so, so thank you. Thank you for striving to, to lead your family well, however imperfect that may be. So, brothers, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. May God work uh, just a, a, an outsized uh, good work through your, your leadership of your home, uh, in, in your family, and through your family for his namesake. Now, it was a, a few years ago that, that I, I went for a run. Run is generous. I went for a, a jog at the Y, just midday break, and I was listening to a sermon on lament. And as I exerted my body, the, the Lord was at work in my soul. It, it truly was a, a poignant moment where, uh, where I was not just learning about lament, but, but truly learning to lament, feeling lament. And as I ran on, I lamented my own sin. I, I lamented sin in the world, and I lamented the, the apparent diminishing of God's glory because of sin. And as we face adversity in this world, as we face adversity in this fallen world, we lament and, and orient on, on who God is as we endure. As a society, I don't think we're, we're very good at lament. What, anger, complaining, outrage, Twitter rants, those are the things that we're inclined to. Those are the things that we, we go to, not laments. But in, in the midst of, of sin's devastating impact on our lives in society, we should learn to lament and, and orient on who God is as we endure. And in our psalm today, the, the psalmist David is saying, in my affliction, in my affliction, I want to be vindicated because of my devotion in the Lord's faithfulness. That is where my confidence lies. His hope is not ultimately in uh, in being delivered from his present experience. That's not where his, his hope ultimately resides. Not in deliverance from his present experience of injustice, but that his soul would be secure in the redemption that God provides for all who so put their trust in him. So let's read our psalm, Psalm 26. Psalm 26 of David. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. 
Test my heart and my mind, for your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. I do not sit with men of falsehood, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in, in innocence and go around your altar, O Lord, proclaiming thanksgiving aloud and, and telling all your wondrous deeds. O Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Do not sweep my soul away with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men in whose hands are evil devices and whose right hands are full of bribes. But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. My foot stands on level ground. In the great assembly, I will bless the Lord. Let's pray. So, Father, as we're coming to your word this morning, I pray that you would meet us. I pray that you would help our hearts to respond rightly to sin and injustice in the world. I pray that you would help us not just to learn about lament from this psalm, but learn to lament, to feel lament, to feel the sorrow of sin and depravity and that you might help us find hope in our, our present circumstances in who you are for us in Christ. So by your word, through your spirit, help us now. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. The opening plea of the psalm is, is direct and to the point, and it's for that reason that I, I think of this psalm more as a lament rather than David leading uh, the people into the praise of God. There's, there's no backstory, no context given for the, the writing of the psalm, and, and so it's, it's, it is rather abrupt, and I, I don't think David is just facilitating the, the praise of God. It's as though he's recognizing the, the position that he's in and just explodes with this emotion in, in the face of the adversity that he's up against, the injustice that he's experiencing. Vindication, the, the word vindication in verse 1 here is clearly indicating that, that things are not the way that they are supposed to be. What David is asking even demanding of the triune sovereign of, of all creation is that he carry out his kingly duty of judging right and wrong, of administering justice. There is a, a wrong that must be righted in David's experience. But, but that's a, a fearful plea. That's a fearful plea to, to ask as, as a wretched and sinful person to, to demand of God to enact justice because he may very well turn on the petitioner. The plea may turn on the one who is pleading. If it's justice that we want, it may be justice that we will get. Who, who am I? 
Who am I to stand before a holy God and demand justice? But look at where David's self-confidence, or it's not self-confidence, look at where his confidence lies. At first glance, it does appear that it is self-confidence, that he is self-assured as he's pointing to his own integrity. I have walked in my integrity, he says. But, but let's not miss the, the parallelism here. Uh, this literary form is so familiar to us in the Psalms. A pair of phrases often serve to interpret one another. And so here David continues in verse 1. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. And, and so walking in integrity looks like unwavering trust in God. When we follow after Jesus uh, in faith, it, it will necessarily look like observing all that he has commanded. Integrity or, or moral uprightness uh, and faithful trust, those, those things go hand in hand. They, they go together and we see that as they're paired in verse 1. You, you don't have one without the other. They're, they're working together. And so David can call for, for God in verse 2 to test him three times over. Prove me. Try me. Test me. It's similar to, to Psalm 139, 23 to, to 24, where the psalmist declares again to God, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David can call for justice and God's soul-piercing vision, not because David has arrived in sinless perfection. No, no, he can summon such evaluation uh, because of the character of God. Because of the character of God. It is because the, the Lord's steadfast love is ever before his eyes. Because David walks in the Lord's faithfulness. David's invoking God's covenant character here. It, it is because David intimately knows that the Lord Yahweh is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He, he knows these things resolutely. He is confident in the character of God. And that, that is why he can plead for vindication. Why, why he can plead for justice. So Christian, in the adversity that you're up against, in the injustice that you experience, whether that is because of the color of your skin or the badge you carry, if that is uh, because of the illness that you're battling or, or the financial difficulty you are experiencing, or because of the gospel you profess. Whatever your adversity, whatever your injustice may be that, that you are, are presently sitting in, even now, know that God 
cares for you. He, he knows what you are in. He, he knows your pain. He sees you in your suffering. And so you can lament. You can lament and, and cry out to God. You can voice your agony to him. He's got broad shoulders. He can bear up under it. And as you do that, set the steadfast love of God in Christ before your eyes. Walk in his faithfulness. In Christ, he knows. He has experienced the same kind of adversity, the same kind of suffering, the same kind of injustice, the same kind of hardship that, that you are right now experiencing. And Jesus endured the greatest injustice on the cross by looking to, to the joy that was set before him, to the joy that was ahead of him. So, so Christian, your ultimate vindication is guaranteed because of his faithfulness. And as the faithful plead for the Lord's vindication, we also live uprightly. David will have nothing to do with, with liars and hypocrites. This is how uh, he's talking now as we move into verses 4 and 5. He, he hates those who do evil and wickedness. Because we, we, we dare not cry to God to execute justice on our behalf if we go on in persistent rebellion against that very God. And we hear here in verses 4 and 5 an echo of Psalm 1. The blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. He, he does not stand in the way of sinners or, or sit in the seat of mockers, of scoffers. Rather, the one who is blessed delights in the word of God. It is not befitting of those who bear the name of Christ to go on in such sin. We must be wary. We must be wary of, of who we associate with, lest we try to use one evil to right another. That's why David is quick to insist on his innocence, saying he's washed his hands in it. Now, surely by, by now, we've, we've all seen the videos demonstrating how it is that you're actually supposed to wash your hands, right? The, the, the cursory, quick uh, hand washing of January uh, does not suffice. We, we know that to be true, right? I mean, you've seen the videos. The, the demonstrator puts the gloves on, dips their hands in, in motor oil or, or paint or, or something, right? And, and shows how you gotta, yes, wash your hands, but then you, you gotta get in between your fingers and you gotta get the tips and the fingernails and all over, you know, end up you know, like scrubbing up your elbows or, or something, uh, like we're scrubbing in for, for surgery. Or, or think of Pilate. 
Pilate, uh, at, at the so-called trial of, of Jesus in Matthew 27, 24, he, he washes his hands symbolically in front of the Jewish leaders to demonstrate his innocence, that, that he is washing his hands of, of the blood of Jesus. And so David washed his hands in innocence. But it's not just his hands that are innocent. All of him, all of him has been cleansed. Furthermore, he is zealous to declare God's praise and and thanks because of all that God has done, all of his wondrous deeds. And this in conjunction with his love for the the physical manifestation of the glory of God and the presence of God on earth. Today, that place is the church. The the blood-bought people of Christ in whom his spirit dwells. Can we share in David's adamant rejection of those who do all kinds of evil, who are opposed to the very rule and reign of Christ in this present world? Can we share in such a profound love for those in whom God's presence dwells? Or will we give subtle or or tacit approval to some kinds of evil while denouncing others? Will we say we love the church but speak poorly of her members? The faithful live uprightly. The faithful live uprightly, both in public and in private, on social media and in actual real-life personal conversations. David returns now in verse 9 to his lamenting plea. He's distinguished himself from those on whom he desires the Lord's justice. And as one who lives uprightly, who lives with, with God's steadfast love before his eyes, who gives himself to clinging to the hope of the gospel, He pleads. He pleads that that he not perish like those who reject and rebel against God. Don't sweep my soul away with sinners. The imagery is similar to the parable of Matthew 13 of the the farmer who who sows good seed out in his field. He sows wheat, but, but then the weeds grow up with it. But, but rather than telling his, his servants to just go ahead and, and torch the whole field and start over, he says, no, 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 let the weeds grow up. Let the wheat grow up. And at harvest, there'll be a reckoning. At the harvest, the, the servants, the, the, the workers go out in the field and they collect the weeds. They, they uh, gather the weeds. They are swept up and burned. Do you see the the shift here that that David is making from the initial plea in verse 1 to what we are finding here in verse 9? At the beginning, the the lamenting uh, demand is for vindication due to the the present injustice that he is experiencing. But but here in verse 9, when he returns to his plea, the, the focus has shifted. The the focus uh, turns here to eternal vindication. 
Don't sweep my soul away. Not just uh, his physical well-being is, is here in view, but his entire being. Indeed, he does not want his life numbered with uh, the bloodthirsty men. He, he doesn't want his life in this world to end in, in the judgment of God. But he especially, he especially does not want his entire being to be gathered among the weeds and burned. David, David, who did not bear the sword in vain, who as, as God's servant was an avenger carrying out God's wrath on wrongdoers, he was not like the sinful, bloodthirsty men. He was not like those who were always ready to do wrong. Always ready to do wrong. That's not what characterizes David. He, he was not like those who would ensure that injustice, that, that wickedness that, that has been done is overlooked with a little grease to the palm. We know that, that evil is not only done by those who actually commit the act, who carry it out, but also by those who look the other way as it's being done. No. No, David is not like them. David is not like them. Not all who bear the sword are wicked. David walked in integrity. He trusted in Yahweh without wavering. He, he walked in the Lord's faithfulness. And so he cries, redeem me, redeem me and be gracious to me. David laments and orients on the person and character of God as he endures. He knows that God is true. He knows that God is faithful. He knows that, that God is one who delights in the deliverance of his people. He knows God is full of grace and mercy. And yet he laments. And yet he still faces adversity and injustice. But by orienting on, on the person and work of God, that the character of God, focusing on, on what he knows to be true, he gains resolve. He gains resolve to endure, to press on. And so David, we're seeing that, that he has a, a both-and framework here for vindication. There's, it's not a monolithic uh, view of uh, the justice of God. He desires justice and deliverance in his present adversity. That's clear from verse 1. But he does so while ultimately hoping in the future end-time vindication that God guarantees. 
David, he, he does act to establish justice, to right wrongs, to walk in integrity, but his hope is not ultimately in those things. His, his hope is ultimately in a God who will establish justice, hopefully in this life, but most certainly in the life to come. So also we can cry out when we see injustice around us. We can cry out and pursue the vindication of those injustices. But we cannot lose sight. Friends, we, we, we cannot lose sight that it is all for nothing if our souls are swept away with sinners. Church, we, we, we ought to be a people who care deeply about injustice. Who care about the injustice that we see around us. All injustice. Not just convenient ones. We ought to care about all injustice. Not just popular ones. But we especially ought to care about the injustice of our context the injustice that, that we see in close proximity to us um, among the, the people that, that we have relationships with. So, so do all that you can to love your neighbor. There's only so much that, that you and I can do given the, the positions and offices that, that we hold. But what is most abundantly clear is that we absolutely can love our neighbor we can love our neighbor, but as we do that, as we pursue injustice, or sorry, not pursue injustice, but pursue the, the vindication of unjust acts, we cannot ultimately look to societal change. We can't look to government overhaul. We can't look to community development efforts because the church is the only institution in all the world, in all of history, that has an answer to the plea for vindication. It's the resurrection of Christ. And so we must recognize that, that in this fallen world, in this place that is always going to be marked by the brokenness of sin, that, that that's always going to be the case. That as hard as we labor for, for righting wrongs in this world, there's always going to be new ones that show up. And so the task will never end. But friend, there is a day coming when all will be vindicated. When, when redemption will be finalized, when, when grace will, will cover the earth uh, of the new creation, it will happen. And that reality doesn't make us so heavenly minded that we are of no earthly good. No, no, it, it frees us. It frees us from the constraints of, of putting all of our, our hope in earthly institutions and politicians that have no power to, to deliver on the vindication that our souls so desperately desire. So we pray, redeem us. Be gracious to us, oh 
God. The psalm concludes. So it's a little warm in here. The psalm concludes with a, a statement of assurance. And this is so good for our souls. The psalm concludes with a statement of assurance. Because the faithful plea for vindication. They, they live uprightly. And here in verse 12, we find that the faithful rest secure. I don't think that, that this means that, that David experienced uh, the immediate vindication that he was so yearning for. I don't think it happened immediately uh, as, as maybe he had hoped. So it was about a, a year ago uh, that my wife and I uh, hiked the Upper Yosemite Falls. And uh, it, it was a grueling hike for novices like us, like, like me. Uh, however, uh, the descent on the hike actually was, was unexpectedly challenging. Going up, it's easy to, to see a good spot to, to set your foot. But, but coming down, because of the, the fatigue and, and the momentum, you know, it made the, the loose gravel, a damp rock, or, or a subtle uh, roots rather quite dangerous until we got to level ground. Until we got to level ground. And that's where David is. That's where David is. He's, he's directed his lament up to the Lord and he's come back down into his adversity. And yet now his foot stands on level ground. Verse 12. He's lamented and oriented on the person and character of God. And now he is steadied. He, he, he's found something firm. He, he's in the right place. His legs may be weary of the journey, but his foot is on the solid path. This is how we see him process his plea for vindication. So that he, he, he processes this vindication so that he is confident that he will stand in the great assembly to praise God. The great assembly. Remember when we used to do that? Things, things will be made right. David is sure of it. Things will be made right. He can rest secure knowing the end result is guaranteed. So friend, friend, you will never, you will never know the kind of safety and security your soul longs for apart from Christ. You will, you will never know the, the safety and security your soul longs for apart from Christ. And you won't be able to offer safety and security to others for, for any real measure apart from Christ. This world, it is plagued by sin and sorrow. 
our confidence for things to ultimately be made right, our confidence that things will ultimately be made right is far greater than the confidence David had. It's far greater because we know Christ. We know how the story goes. We know that the end is written. David's confidence was in the hopeful expectation of the fulfillment of promises. Our confidence is in that the promised one has fulfilled expectations and it's only going to get better. It's only going to get better. But until then, until that day, we lament. We lament and we orient on the person and character of God as we endure. Let's pray. So Father, help us. Help us to feel rightly in the face of sin in this world. Our own sin the sin that is being revealed in these cities, in this world. And and help us to, to process that lament rightly. That we would not look to other people, organizations, entities, things to deliver the, what they can't. But help us, oh God, to endure in the the proper framework to trust in you to bring it about. And so we pray, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.